So they went on, and ignorance followed. They went then till they came at a place where they saw a way put itself into their way, and seemed withal to lie as straight as the way which they should go. And here they knew not which of the two to take, for both seemed straight before them. Therefore here they stood still to consider. And as they were thinking about the way, behold, a man, black of flesh, but covered with a very light robe, came to them and asked them why they stood there. They answered, they were going to the celestial city, but knew not which of these ways to take. Follow me, said the man, it is thither that I am going. So they followed him in the way that but now came into the road, which by degrees turned, and turned them so from the city that they desired to go to, that in a little time their faces were turned away from it, yet they followed him. But by and by, before they were aware, he led them both within the compass of a net, in which they were both so entangled that they knew not what to do. And with that, the white robe fell off the black man's back. Then they saw where they were. Wherefore, there they lay crying some time, for they could not get themselves out. Then said Christian to his fellow, Now do I see myself in an error. Did not the shepherds bid us beware of the flatterers? As is the saying of the wise man, We have found it this day, a man that flattereth his neighbour spreadeth a net for his feet. They also gave us a note of directions about the way, for our more sure finding thereof, but therein we have also forgotten to read, and have not kept ourselves from the paths of the destroyer. Here David was wiser than we, for, saith he, concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips have I kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Thus they lay bewailing themselves in the net. At last they espied a shining one, coming toward them with a whip of small cord in his hand. When he was come to the place where they were, he asked them whence they came, and what they did there. They told him that they were poor pilgrims going to Zion, but were led out of their way by a black man, clothed in white, who bid us, said they, follow him, for he was going thither too. Then said he with the whip, It is the flatterer, a false apostle, that hath transformed himself into an angel of light, so he rent the net and let the men out. Then said he to them, Follow me, that I may set you in your way again. So he led them back to the way which they had left to follow the flatterer. Then he asked them, saying, Where did you lie the last night? They said, With the shepherds upon the delectable mountains. He asked them then, If they had not of those shepherds a note of direction for the way? They answered, Yes. But did you, said he, when you were at a stand, pluck out and read your note? They answered, No. He asked them, Why? They said, They forgot. He asked, moreover, if the shepherds did not bid them beware of the flatterer. They answered, Yes. But we did not imagine, said they, that this fine-spoken man had been he. Then I saw in my dream that he commanded them to lie down, which when they did... He chastised them sore, to teach them the good way wherein they should walk. And as he chastised them, he said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. This done, he bids them go on their way, and take good heed 
to the other directions of the shepherds. So they thanked him for all his kindness, and went softly along the right way, singing, Come hither, you that walk along the way, see how the pilgrims fare that go astray. They catched our in an entangling net, cause their good counsel lightly did forget. Tis true, they rescued were, but yet you see, they're scourging to boot, let this your caution be. Now after a while, they perceived afar off one coming softly and alone, all along the highway to meet them. Then said Christian to his fellow, Yonder is a man with his back toward Zion, and he is coming to meet us. I see him. Let us take heed to ourselves now, lest he should prove a flatterer also. So he drew nearer and nearer, and at last came up unto them. His name was Atheist, and he asked them whither they were going. We are going to the Mount Zion. Then Atheist fell into a very great laughter. What is the meaning of your laughter? I laugh to see what ignorant persons you are to take upon you so tedious a journey, and yet are like to have nothing but your travel for your pains. Why, man, do you think we shall not be received? Received? There is no such place as you dream of in all this world. But there is in the world to come. When I was at home in mine own country, I heard as you now affirm, and from that hearing went out to see and have been seeking this city these twenty years, but find no more of it than I did the first day I set out. We have both heard and believe that there is such a place to be found. Had not I, when at home, believed, I had not come thus far to seek, but finding none, and yet I should had there been such a place to be found, for I have gone to seek it further than you, I am going back again, and will seek to refresh myself of the things that I then cast away, for hopes of that which I now see is not. Then said Christian to Hopeful his fellow, Is it true which this man have said? Take heed, he is one of the flatterers. Remember what it hath cost us once already for our hearkening to such a kind of fellows? What, no Mount Zion? Did we not see from the delectable mountains the gate of the city? Also, are we not now to walk by faith? Let us go on, said Hopeful, lest a man with the whip overtake us again. You should have taught me that lesson which I will round you in the ears withal. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. I say, my brother, cease to hear him, and let us believe to the saving of the soul. My brother, I did not put the question to thee, for that I doubted of the truth of our belief myself, but to prove thee, and to fetch from thee a fruit of the honesty of thy heart. As for this man, I know that he is blinded by the God of this world. Let thee and I go on, knowing that we have belief of the truth." and no lie is of the truth. Now do I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So they turned away from the man, and he laughing at them went his way. I saw then in my dream that they went till they came into a certain country, whose air naturally tended to make one drowsy, if he came a stranger into it. And here Hopeful began to be very dull and heavy of sleep, Wherefore he said unto Christian, I do now begin to 
grow so drowsy that I can scarcely hold up my eyes. Let us lie down here and take one nap. By no means, said the other, lest sleeping we never awake more. Why, my brother, sleep is sweet, the labouring man. We may be refreshed if we take a nap. Do you not remember that one of the shepherds bid us beware of the enchanted ground? He meant by that that we should beware of sleeping. Wherefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. I acknowledge myself in fault, and had I been here alone, I had by sleeping run the danger of death. I see, it is true, that the wise man saith, two are better than one. Hitherto hath thy company been my mercy, and thou shalt have a good reward for thy labour. Now then, said Christian, to prevent drowsiness in this place, let us fall into good discourse. With all my heart, said the other, where shall we begin? Where God began with us, but do you begin if you please. I will sing you first this song. When saints do sleepy grow, let them come hither, and hear how these two pilgrims talk together. Yea, let them learn of them in any wise, thus to keep ope their drowsy, slumbering eyes. Saints' fellowship, if it be managed well, keeps them awake, and that in spite of hell. Then Christian began, and said, I will ask you a question. How came you to think at first of doing as you do now? Do you mean, how came I at first to look after the good of my soul? Yes, that is my meaning. I continued a great while in the delight of those things which were seen and sold at our fair, things which I believe now would have, had I continued in them still, drowned me in perdition and destruction. What things were they? All the treasures and riches of the world. Also I delighted much in rioting, reveling, drinking, swearing, lying, uncleanness, Sabbath-breaking, and what's not, that tended to destroy the soul. But I found at last, by hearing and considering of things that are divine, which indeed I heard of you, as also of beloved faithful, that was put to death for his faith and good living in Vanity Fair, that the end of these things is death, and that for these things' sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience." And did you presently fall under the power of this conviction? No, I was not willing presently to know the evil of sin, nor the damnation it follows upon the commission of it, but endeavoured, when my mind at first began to be shaken with the word, to shut mine eyes against the light thereof. But what was the cause of your carrying of it thus to the first workings of God's blessed Spirit upon you? The causes were... One, I was ignorant that this was the work of God upon me. I never thought that by awakenings for sin, God at first begins the conversion of a sinner. Number two, sin was yet very sweet to my flesh, and I was loath to leave it. Three, I could not tell how to part with mine own old companions. Their presence and actions were so desirable unto me. Four, the hours in which convictions were upon me were such troublesome and such heart-affrighting hours that I could not bear, no, not so much as the remembrance of them upon my heart. Then, as it seems, sometimes you got rid of your trouble. 
Yes, verily, but it would come into my mind again, and then I should be as bad, nay worse, than I was before. Why? What was it that brought your sins to mind again? Many things, as, one, if I did but meet a good man in the streets, or, two, if I had heard any read in the Bible, or, three, if mine head did begin to ache, or four, if I were told that some of my neighbours were sick, or five, if I heard the bell toll for some that were dead, or six, if I thought of dying myself, or seven, if I heard that sudden death happened to others, and eight, but especially when I thought of myself that I must quickly come to judgment. And could you, at any time, with ease, get off the guilt of sin, when by any of these ways it came upon you? No, not latterly, for then they got faster hold of my conscience, and then, if I did but think of going back to sin, though my mind was turned against it, it would be double torment to me. And how did you do then? I thought I must endeavour to mend my life, for else, thought I, I am sure to be damned. And did you endeavour to mend? Yes, and fled from not only my sins, but sinful company too, and betook me to religious duties, as praying, reading, weeping for sin, speaking truth to my neighbours, etc. These things I did, with many others, too much here to relate. And did you think yourself well then? Yes, for a while, but at the last my trouble came tumbling upon me again, and that over the neck of all my reformations. How came that about since you were now reformed? There were several things brought it upon me, especially such sayings as these, All our righteousnesses are as filthy racks. By the works of the law no man shall be justified. When ye have done all things, say, We are unprofitable, with many more such like. From whence I began to reason with myself thus, If all my righteousnesses are filthy racks, if by the deeds of the law no man can be justified, and if when we have done all we are yet unprofitable, then tis but a folly to think of heaven by the law. I further thought thus, if a man runs a hundred pounds into the shopkeeper's debt, and after that shall pay for all that he shall fetch, yet his old debt stands still in the book uncrossed, for the which the shopkeeper may sue him and cast him into prison, till he shall pay the debt. Well, and how did you apply this to yourself? Why, I thought thus with myself, I have by my sins run a great way into God's book, and that my now reforming will not pay off that score. Therefore I should think still under all my present amendments, but how shall I be freed from that damnation that I have brought myself in danger of by my former transgressions? A very good application, but pray go on. Another thing that hath troubled me ever since my late amendment is, that if I look narrowly into the best of what I do now, I still see sin, new sin, mixing itself with the best of that I do, so that now I am forced to conclude that notwithstanding my former fond conceits of myself and duties, I have committed sin enough in one duty to send me to hell, though my former life had been faultless. And what did you do then? Do? I could not tell what to do, till I break my mind to faithful, for he and I were well acquainted. And he told me that unless I could obtain the righteousness of a man that never had sinned, 
neither mine own nor all the righteousness of the world could save me. And did you think he spake true? Had he told me so when I was pleased and satisfied with mine own amendments, I had called him fool for his pains. But now, since I see mine own infirmity and the sin that cleaves to my best performance, I have been forced to be of his opinion. But did you think when at first he suggested it to you that there was such a man to be found of whom it might justly be said that he never committed sin? I must confess the words at first sounded strangely, but after a little more talk and company with him, I had full conviction about it. And did you ask him? what man this was, and how you must be justified by him? Yes, and he told me it was the Lord Jesus that dwelleth on the right hand of the Most High, and thus said he, you must be justified by him, even by trusting to what he hath done by himself in the days of his flesh, and suffered when he did hang on the tree. I asked him further how that man's righteousness could be of that efficacy as to justify another before God, and he told me, it was the mighty God, and did what he did, and died a death also, not for himself, but for me, to whom his doings and the worthiness of them should be imputed, if I believed on him. And what did you do then? I made my objections against my believing, for that I thought he was not willing to save. And what said Faithful to you then? He bid me go to him and see. Then I said it was presumption. He said no for I was invited to come. Then he gave me a book of Jesus, his indicting, to encourage me the more freely to come. And he said concerning that book, that every jot and tittle thereof stood firmer than heaven and earth. Then I asked him what I must do when I came. And he told me I must entreat upon my knees with all my heart and soul, the Father to reveal him to me. Then I asked him further how I must make my supplication to him. And he said, Go, and thou shalt find him upon a mercy seat, where he sits all the year long to give pardon and forgiveness to them that come. I told him that I knew not what to say when I came, and he bid me say to this effect, God be merciful to me a sinner, and make me to know and believe in Jesus Christ. For I see that if his righteousness had not been, or I have not faith in that righteousness, I am utterly cast away. Lord, I have heard that thou art a merciful God, and hast ordained that thy Son Jesus Christ should be the Saviour of the world, and moreover, that thou art willing to bestow upon such a poor sinner as I am, and I am a sinner indeed. Lord, take thereof this opportunity, and magnify thy grace in the salvation of my soul, through thy Son Jesus Christ. Amen. In the next part of their journey, both Christian and Hopeful would come to see more the vital need for Christian friendship and fellowship. The next dilemma which they face is when they come across two paths which seem to go the same direction, and yet they are unsure of which path to take. It is here that another traveller appears. He is called the Flatterer, a man finely dressed and who indicates that he too is going the same way not learning from their previous experiences, and failing to question this man, they are soon led astray and entangled. In the Bible we read of those who have flattering mouths and yet lying tongues. As easy as it was for these now seasoned pilgrims to be led astray because the Rome and company seemed right, 
yet as quickly do they find trouble. This is always a warning for the child of God, irrespective of how long we have been a Christian. In response, they chide themselves for such error, reminding themselves that the shepherds had warned them of such an individual. Here Bunyan also describes a shining one who comes with a whip in his hand. This one frees the men from the net, but also upon hearing of their report, he then chastens them. The child of God is never left alone by the Lord. And yet when snared by our errors, it is in love the Lord will chastise his children. This is an experience that all of God's people will go through. On their way again, they encounter another, one called Atheist. It's a brief account, but his seemingly believable speech about how they're not being a celestial city seems to have an influence on Christian. But we soon discover this was not the case. Much to Hopeful's rejoicing. Instead, Christian wanted to see how his colleague would respond to such challenges to the faith. As the pair now enter the enchanted ground of which they had also been warned, Hopeful is unaware and being overcome by drowsiness, he wishes to rest. But Christian is now alert and warns him of such danger. Again, these are examples of how and why two are better than one and why Christian company is also a mercy. Both pilgrims agree to converse on good things in order to keep their attention during this part of the journey. It is here we find out more of Hopeful, who he was, how he came to the way when in Vanity Fair. And in the process, John Bunyan gives us a treatment of the marvellous gospel of grace. And through the questions that Christian poses and Hopeful answers, we read of the sovereign, justifying grace of God through Jesus Christ, the only